0: You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. for small groups, 10 a.m. for worship, or anytime at asburybosier.org. Our lesson tonight comes from the Gospel of Luke, the second chapter, beginning with the first verse. It'll be on the screens, it'll be online, and it's also in your Bible or your Bible app. Let us, let us hear the word of the Lord. He went to be registered with Mary to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be assigned to you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Several years ago, I went uh, to a Buddhist retreat as part of my ordination in the United Methodist Church, and we came into the room, and there were chairs in a circle, and in the middle of the chairs was a bowl of tangerines. So the facilitator had us all sit down and he goes, all I want you to do is eat a tangerine. And I thought, finally, by the grace of God, (laughs) there's a spiritual discipline I can keep, right? I love that. You come into the room and the guy says, I need you to eat something. like, sweet, I can do this. So I took the tangerine, I unwrapped the, unwrapped, I peeled, there's a word for that. I peeled the tangerine, (laughs) Christmas is on the brain. I peeled the tangerine and I, I ate the first section, and while I was eating the first section, I went for the other section and the facilitator said, stop, and I thought, dang it, <laughs> I knew it, I knew I couldn't do this right. He said, why are you eating the second section? What are you doing? And he asked an honest question, and I gave him an honest answer, said, I don't know. He goes, do you think, do you think the tangerine is going somewhere? Do you, do you think I'm not going to give you enough time to finish the tangerine? Are you particularly hungry? So we'll know that none of that tracks. So, um, yeah, I don't know what's going on. He said, you are completing the task you think was assigned. The task is not to finish the tangerine. The task is to enjoy it for what it is. In other words, if you eat a section in order to get to the next section, in order to get to the next section, then by the time you finish the fruit, you've actually accomplished nothing. Take a section, eat it, enjoy it for what it is. And then when you are finished, move on to the next section. This kind of exercise is meant to bring us into the present and into the moment. It is uncomfortable for some of us. It is terrifying to not think about the past. Not to look at the future, but to be in the now. It's that one segment of time we know exists because it's happening right now. But the minute you realize it's happening, what? It's in the past. (laughs) It's harder than it sounds to be in the moment. Luke's record of Christ's birth functions in a similar way. The story begins with, in those days... The story begins in the past tense. In those days, Caesar had the power to organize the world. In those days, you didn't count unless you could be counted. In those days, there was no room for the poor to seek shelter, even when they were desperate in having a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in bands of cloth, and laid him in a manger. The story could have ended there. And maybe it should have. In an occupied land, it's dangerous to talk about a new Messiah that has been born. In those days, talking about such things in an occupied land could be a death sentence. So maybe maybe it would have been a better idea for the Holy Family to like live under the radar for a bit, maybe go home, set up shop, figure out maternity and paternity leave and get reestablished in the carpentry world, you know, those kind of things, before announcing that the wonderful counselor, almighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace has been born. But apparently God doesn't care about such things because the story then catapults us and pushes us into the present. The entire first part of the scripture reading is in the past until the angels appear. When the angels appear, the proclamation is in the present. The heavens parted and shepherds were in the field and the glory of God shone around them. What is this glory of God? It caused them fear. What did they see? Was it the, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night? Was it was it brimstone? Was it was it wheels upon wheels, way up in the middle of the air as we sing in vacation Bible school, learning about Elijah? What is it that they saw? Well, the word for glory here is the word doxa. And it's used only three times in the entirety of Luke's gospel. The first is here announcing Jesus' birth. The second is when Jesus enters into Jerusalem and the crowd says, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. The only other time this word is used is when Jesus tells a parable. He goes, look, when you when the caraways invite you out and you go to a dinner party, don't sit in the place of honor because the host of the party is gonna shame you and have you sit in the corner. No, no, no. When you go out to a dinner party, I want you to sit in a lowly place and then the host can welcome you up or offer glory to you and give you the seat of honor he will say, move up, friend. In other words, this glory is not fire or cherubim or, or wheels upon wheels. Rather, it is shepherds receiving good news. Glory means to lift up the lowly and recognize. To be on our knees and praising God lifts us up. The announcement of the Messiah to shepherds, that is glory. We cannot understand the true glory of God until the powerless and the silent and those who are outcast are lifted up and heard and recognized. That is the glory of God. That is the doxa of God that came on that Christmas night. God catapults us into the present with reckless abandon. And yes... This is terrifying. Not because of what they saw, as if it was fire or fear or... But have you ever been in a room and you knew you were not the smartest person? (laughs) Have you ever been in a room and you don't really believe that you should be there? And then someone asks, okay, well, what do you think? Uh, 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 uh." Right? It's terrifying to be in a room where you don't think you belong and then suddenly, all eyes are on you. The angels, all eyes are on the shepherds. I mean, this is, it's like Mr. Holland's opus, right? It is, it is Mirabel in Encanto being the most important person in the story. It is when, at the end of, you're welcome, Mr. Smith. At the end, at the end of Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, and the hobbits are there, and they're, and they're bowing to, to the new king of Gondor, Aragorn. And what does he say? No, you bow to no one. And then everyone bows to the hobbits. That's glory. And it's when men across the nation in movie theaters cried openly. You bow to no one. The fear that the shepherds felt is a fear rooted in me? You choose me? You announce this to me? That can be terrifying when someone claims that you are more important than you think you are. Me? This is when the past tense of the story begins to melt away. Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David, who is the Messiah, the Lord. There is no longer in those days... The present reality is for all the people. And then the next breath, the angels catapult them into the future, saying, this will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. Not you might find, but you will find. God gives the shepherds a new future on behalf of all of us. God announces to the shepherds, not so much because they were poor, but because the Messiah will be one of them. When Jesus is born, they did not say, oh, good, the king has arrived or the warrior or the savvy tradesman. But Jesus will be the good shepherd. He will be one of them. Christmas is the celebration that God has become one of us. And it is scandalous that God would be so vulnerable to be born to parents Soon, we will see salvation. We will understand, as we walk through this story, the mystery of God becoming a human being. God God made human beings, not human doings. Therefore, God became a human being, not a human doing. Being ready for the coming Christ child is not about doing this or that or checking the list even twice. But it is about being comfortable with being, being in the present, being open to a new future and a new trajectory, being not afraid of the glory of God when it is revealed to you, being not afraid to show that same glory to a neighbor or a friend or an enemy. God put on flesh and moved into the neighborhood, as the message tells us, to show us that humanity is worth healing. That word salvation, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God sent the son not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. That word for saved does not mean like pushing you out before the, the the bus runs you over, or giving you a, a lifeline as you jump over a pit, no, the saving means healing. It means wholeness. God putting on flesh and being a human being reveals that humanity is worth healing. Do you know that you're worth healing too? Yes, there will be time for doing, but in order for our hands to get into good trouble, you need to know that you are worth the trouble. You are worth a mother's pain and pensive joy of birth. You are worth shepherds risking their livelihood in the fields to see what all the fuss is about in Bethlehem. You are worth the angels leaving their post in heaven to announce to you, Good news, you are worth it, all of it. So is your friend, so is your family, so is your neighbor, and dang it, so is your enemy. This is good news for all the people. Soon, gifts will be opened, and we can anticipate what that experience is going to be like, Anticipation is to regard something as probable and to respond with what is known. For example, pitch and catch. Someone throws a ball, if you've played pitch and catch before, you can relatively estimate where the ball is going to go, and you catch it, and then you throw it back. Anticipation, pitch and catch, regarding something as probable and responding with what you know. You can probably guess, for example, the difference between someone opening a PS5 and someone opening socks. You can anticipate, just by the look of their face, of what they've opened, right? Some of you, very lucky people, are gonna be getting the PS5, and some of the regular folk like me are gonna be getting underwear, right? So you can tell by the look of, you can anticipate what that gift is, just by looking at their face. Or maybe you need socks, maybe like that's a thing, maybe you're gonna be super, the PS5, what is that? But where are the socks, right? Whatever, like you can anticipate, what the gift is by looking at the family. If you have a place of, or maybe this is just my family, if I have a plate of Christmas cookies on the table, I can anticipate how long they're going to be there. Not long. (laughs) Yeah? Well, This year, uh, we're making Santa protein bars, so maybe they'll stick around a bit longer (laughs) than cookies. Santa's working on his um, fitness, so we're going to high protein you know high protein it helps helps for the evening you know it's a big night when we gather on christmas eve we anticipate a baby we have heard what the angels say this will be a sign to you you will see a child wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger you have been told what is coming we anticipate seeing a baby but are we expecting salvation Are we expecting healing? See, anticipation is responding to what is known. Expectation on the other hand is being on the lookout for more. Anticipation is responding to what is known. Expectation is being on the lookout for more. Anticipation is about pitch and catch. But do you expect that throwing a baseball will one day be someone's favorite memory of you? I can anticipate that cookies will be gone. But am I expecting that one day my kids will make cookies for their kids? And one day they'll make protein bars for Santa too. (laughs) To break the cycle. You can anticipate eating a section of tangerine. But are you expecting to have a life-changing realization of just how much of life is slipping away from you. You may be, tonight, anticipating singing Silent Night by Candlelight. I hope that you are. But are you expecting that while singing, God is going to place a powerful calling on your heart and that calling is going to keep you up at night because it will be hard and it will be worth it. We anticipate a baby, but are we expecting to know the peace hope, love, and joy, and glory of God. The healing that God shook heaven to offer to you. Praise be to God. Amen and amen. Let us pray.